Welcome to episode number 48. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. Today's show, we're going to be talking about your buddy, your friend, your confidant, that person that you can share secrets with and receive pretty good guidance on the next El Police Radio. Episode number 48, we are moving along on the charts. Today we're going to talk about that individual that you may consider your buddy. Now everybody has their own different buddy. Their buddy represents something different in every individual's life. But most of the time, they are confidence builders, They are people that will encourage you when you need encouragement. They are individuals that will share stories with you, and you, of course, will share with them. They know a little bit more details than anybody else about you, and they always, you can rely on some pretty good advice from them. You have classified them as your buddy. How important it is to have a buddy, especially when you're in law enforcement, it's huge. It is huge, and we will talk about that. But Before we get to that, I am excited about what's coming. As you know, in our last podcast, or last several podcasts, we've been talking about El Police Radio coming to an end, and that will happen and uh, including this show, three more shows. And we are replacing it with Raider Cop Nation. And we explained on our last podcast why I don't want to rehash that old show. But it's a time that we feel we've got to make that move, that change. And I'm looking forward to the change. I think it's going to be very positive. And uh, a lot of my uh, analytics, which is kind of statistics on where we're going, uh, I don't do it. They're done by um, the computer and our providers. 
and uh, Raider Cop Nation came up with pretty good, pretty good numbers. We have um, officially uh, obtained the uh, domain, so we have RaiderCopNation.com that will replace LPoliceRadio.com, and we've created two logos. We are going to be using both logos. We have looked at extensively what type of logo to use, what attracts the eye, and so forth. So we've accomplished that as well. And then we're off to trademarking what we're doing. Whole different game. And we're coming out a lot harder, a lot heavier, a lot stronger on this podcast. As I said in previous podcasts, El Police Radio uh, really derived in 07, and uh, it went on for eight years. It was kind of like buried a little bit, rehashed as El Police Radio, and we are going on our one-year anniversary. But we quickly noticed that we had to make a change, so that change is coming. So look forward to it. I know I'm excited, too. Also on Twitter, we have the new Twitter account, which is at NationCop. The Nation, N is capital. The C in Cop is capital. At NationCop. And that you will find Raider Cop Nation on there. And we're starting to build that as well as our Facebook account, which is Facebook slash Raider Cop Nation. And YouTube and all that other stuff is coming later. A lot of work that has to go into it, but it's enjoyable work. We have also, and lastly, real quick, I'll mention it again. We have come up with a list of panelists. We call this panelist, these panelists, the panel. Great name, isn't it? it? It goes very well with what we were just talking about. So the panel is created of permanent guests that we will have that will come on the show and they will um, talk about their experiences and their area of expertise. Of course, that's going to help us tremendously on this show. Now, it's not all going to be all the panelists at the same time. Everybody yakking away like if we're on CNN or Fox News. We will engage them maybe one or two at a time, myself and Mike Sierra. And we will, you know, be talking some real serious stuff now. We're going to get in debt in a lot of programming. Let me just go over a little bit real quick who our panelists are going to be. Number one, we've got Wonder Woman, a.k.a. Yankee Charlie. It's sergeant for the city of Miami Police Department. We've got Pistol Pete the Gunsmith. And we had Pete on here, I believe it was podcast episode number three, if I remember correctly. And he goes under Papa Yankee. Of course, his expertise will be about what, kids? That's correct, guns. And the range master, a.k.a. Kilo Sierra. And when we get into 
the 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 little details about training with firearms, we will be talking to the range master. Of course, we're looking for a cop. Although we have cops, we're looking for the cop, 30-year veteran sergeant of the Lee County Sheriff's Office, Alpha Quebec, will be a panelist. And my buddy that we worked as a dynamic duo in Miami-Dade for about 15 years, a.k.a. the fixer, Romeo November. And how can we never can forget co-host Mike Sierra, and he's going to pop back in here. I've been doing his shows. I think I've done two or three, uh, one behind the other. And now he's going to, I'm doing his, he's doing uh, my show, so... Well, between both shows, we're going to have hours of duties ahead of us. So that's the panelists, the panel. And a lot of them have, um, they're very opinionated. They are, most importantly, a group of individuals that I consider uh, greatly. And I consider them my friends and family. And I look forward to to hearing their opinions on a lot of our issues on the show. Today's show, we're talking about that individual that you consider a buddy, a partner. Not too long ago, my dear friend, uh, Jake, he died. It was unexpected. He, that I knew of, he didn't have any life-threatening illnesses. And I enjoyed his company. I enjoyed his conversations. After his death, I had very, immediately after his death, I did a podcast and I did mention about him. And I wanted to sort of like honor him in that podcast. And I'll post it on the show notes. But I couldn't. It was very emotional time for me and it still is a little bit but uh jake was unique i can tell you what a lot of people have posted on facebook about him to wrap it up in just one quick saying somebody posted you had to have known him and if you didn't know who he was you would have said He's obnoxious, and I don't like this guy, and what in the world is wrong with this guy? He was loud. He was boisterous. He let everybody know how he felt, even if you didn't want to know how he felt. That's how he rolled, and that's how he operated. But I want to talk mostly about how I met him. Of course, I met him through my employment in Miami-Dade as a law enforcement officer. He had seven years on me. And I, I, I ran into him when I met him through his loud and obnoxious behavior. My first attitude was, this guy's, uh, you know, rude. He's just, I, I, you know, who can ever talk to this guy? And as time went on, we... We started bonding, and, and, and we became the closest of friends. Uh, 
But it didn't take me long to realize that Jake had certain issues, and I'm not saying that in a negative uh, terminology. But when I mean issues, he was very unique on how he conducted himself and interacted with other people. And to a lot of people, he had issues. But uh, normally, you would just say he's an obnoxious individual, let's just say. But in that attitude that he had, there was tremendous, tremendous wisdom. The guy knew a whole lot, and he knew a lot about what was uh, the components, how law enforcement ran, the wheels it ran on, what you can and cannot do. He was an encyclopedia in many respects. But sometimes, and those that knew him know that I'm right, you'd have to listen to a one-hour-long dialogue to get 15 minutes of material. But they were an enjoyable, enjoyable one hour of dialogue. The man had a uniqueness about him that put you in stitches. It was one joke after another joke after another joke. And I have said often here that law enforcement compensates for a lot of the horrors that it deals with on a daily basis with humor. And Jake was a part of that humor. And as, as a squad member, that's all he did. And I'm going to share some of those stories, the ones I can. And everybody, everybody that I know started hating him, got used to him, and now that he's gone, they love him. He was, he was just special. And a lot of things that he did was he picked up on certain behavioral traits of people and he would uh, copy them or use them in jokes. And God forbid that you committed a mistake and he was anywhere around because you were going to be the brunt of the joke for the next several weeks, months, or maybe years and nicknames were going to be forged from your mistake. That's who he was. So he kept it comical. And no matter how bad you felt and you were upset and you hated the world, he kept it comical. Now, he had bad days too, you know. Um, he would come to work, he was a little bit grouchy. But in that, you enjoyed it too because it became... A dialogue, it was, a, it was comedy relief. He would go on for a long time, hours and hours, no periods, no commas, and it was, <laughs> it was like rapid-fired machine gun, and you could go ahead and enjoy it. But his wisdom was above no other. This guy was a human encyclopedia. He was what I used to call him the Gazette. He knew everything about everybody, when they did it, and how it went down. And when you asked him something similar to work-related, and you say, well, how, how would you handle, how did they handle this back in the day? 
the calendar came out, and all of a sudden that calculated brain of his will tell you, oh, yeah, I remember so-and-so. And he'd go ahead and give you the story. Now, here's what's so unique about him. Everything that he, every name he called out was not the name of the individual. It was the nickname. He nicknamed everyone. And everybody <clears throat> lived and died by that nickname that he, he would give them. And there was people like Kid Chocolate, um, Numb Nuts. Um, I mean, I could, I could be here all day. Um, Havao. Um, just a lot of people. And, you know, I... I don't want to bore you with the with the names. That's what I'm debating whether I want to unleash them all. But they don't mean anything to you, so it's it, it wouldn't mean anything. But everybody, do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody had a nickname, and that's how he rolled. He operated. He would never speak to you in terms of who that real person was. You had to know the nickname. Okay. Like uh, we had a captain. He would never tell you the captain's name. He would tell you Captain Bosco. And for years I heard Captain Bosco, Captain Bosco. And I just went and played along with him. And I, one day I asked him, why do you keep on referring to the captain <clears throat> as Captain Bosco? What the hell is Bosco? Was it the chocolate you're talking about? He goes, no, goof. I'm talking about my cat. My cat was called Bosco. And I go, yeah? Wait, it reminds you of your cat? He said, no. He had testicular cancer. They had to chop off his nuts. So he called him Captain Bosco because he didn't have any nuts. That's who he was. <laughs> That's who he was. The stories won't stop. I could be here for hours. I remember once we were tussling with a guy and we're, we're in there and trying to subdue him and grab an arm and grab a leg and, and the guy had a phony leg and in the middle of the struggle one of the officers yanks on that phony leg and it comes right off and he, he shocked so he thought it was his real leg and uh, that classic moment in the middle of the rumble he looks at the guy and goes look what you did now goof that's who he was. And more stories. There's just uh, story after story. He was affectionately called by some of us Agent X because he was always lurking behind every corner, every column, every hallway, behind every doorway where he could eavesdrop on the command staff what the next move was. Give you an example. There was a special group that... Miami-Dade had, and this, I'm going back to the late 80s, and they didn't have enough money to fund that that program any longer. There was also um, lawsuits coming from certain municipalities, Miami-Dade, of course, being the county. They were providing this service and charging municipalities for this service, and they said, well, we're being double-taxed, so forth. Um so it was it was going to end up dead anyway in litigation. So Miami-Dade um, 
pulled the plug. Well, Jake, true to form, uh, this time he wasn't hiding behind a door or a hallway to listen to the conversation. Had a good friend of ours that was an administrative assistant officer, and he ran into him, a guy by the name of Obi. He ran into him and he said, hey, what's going on over at headquarters at the palace? He goes, I don't know, but aren't you a part of this program? Yeah. Well, they're cutting that next month. Really? What are they going to do with everybody else? Well, since it's in the middle of the bid, they're sending everybody to midnights. So what did Jake do? In true Jake form, he ran off up the chain of command to the chief, told the chief some sob story about his parents were ill and he had to care for them. And although he was dying to stay in that unit, he would have to forego that special operation and go back to operations and deal with, with his personal life. They, they regretted you know, his situation. They said they were there to support him in any way they could. They wrote his orders and out he went. The rest of the team, looking stupid and confused, says, hey, where are you going? He goes, I don't know. They transferred me. I don't know what the hell's going on. A month later, they all got transferred to midnights, and only to find out later on that the administrative officer told Jake the bag came out and they wanted to kill him. He goes, well, if I would have told you guys, you guys would have ran to headquarters and gave him your sob story, and I mine wouldn't have worked, so... Screw you. Sucks to be you. I'm the good guy here. That's who he was. You couldn't hate him. You had to love him. Why? Because of his unique style. Everything was a unique style. But today I want to also concentrate on who your friend is. And do you need one? If you're in law enforcement or considering getting into law enforcement, you need one. You can run with a squad, you can run with certain individuals, but you need the confidant. That individual that when you're in a situation, you want to get that good advice. Now, Jake was close to me in over about 28 years, and I really felt his loss. But There were certain things I just could not tell Jake because Jake had the illness of the lip. He would run off and, and slip here and slip there uh, and tell your side of the story to somebody else. But his vision, when he locked in on something and he would really give you the best advice he could if he liked you. But here's the deal. What do you think the filter was or what do you think the problem was that he wasn't always like that? He wasn't always clear. Well, see, he had a drinking problem. And that drinking problem, like we spoke about in a podcast uh, past, was overtaking his life. Of course, it got worse and worse as every year went by. This man did 34 years in uniform, and he would get worse. Never, ever, and I'm going to repeat this again, never, ever did I ever witness Jake 
under the influence on duty. Never. And he told me that many times. Because I won't touch the stuff once I put on the uniform. I go cold turkey the day before. He was telling me all the things of what drunks do. You go on the binge Friday night, you know, it was, he, he was off on the weekend. So Friday night, he went on the binge Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon, he had to stop, go cold turkey, and drink gallons of water. Ice cold water, too, like he said. And he should be ready by Monday afternoon. Because he worked on the afternoon shift. That's who he was. That's who he was. He didn't deny it. But it was consuming him. It was getting worse and worse. His health um, was not the best as well, and mixing that with alcohol. A lot of people have told me, well, why, why in the world do I want to talk about him as my buddy and then talk about these personal things? Because I don't want you or anybody else to lose the Jake. God knows how many times I spoke to him. God knows how many times I encouraged him to stop. God knows how many times I spoke to him about the word. He fooled around a whole lot. But let me tell you, we had personal conversations where he reflected on what I was saying. He agreed in many points. And that's what hurts the most. Because in his last day, hours of life, I hope and I pray that he really reflected on those deep conversations about the Lord and that he remembered what I told him, that if you repent of your sins and you confess of your sins, you will be saved. And I hope that he didn't forget that and recited that at the right time. So that's why I tell his story. Because you can't have a personal friend that might have a, a problem, a health problem, that needs support or an addiction. They need help. And you're deaf and blind. You don't want to deal with it. You'll regret it later. I dealt with Jake many times. But what happened with him was when he retired, he retired approximately about a year more than before me. He, he got worse. You see, the, the weekend for him was every day now. It was seven days a week. So the drinking was heavier, stronger, faster. And he had developed cirrhosis of the liver. And as a result of that, he got ill, hospitalized. And what we hoped never would have happened, happened. And he died. Tomorrow is not promised, only today. He was 
my confidant on many, many issues, gave me always the best advice. He regarded me as his buddy. He regarded me um, highly. And he had nicknames for everybody, but he didn't have really one for me. He would, in speech, talking to other people, he would refer to me as dog. But he would never had a nickname for me. He looked up to me, and it was because of the advice that I was giving him. I never left Jake aside. What do I mean by that? Well, you couldn't be his friend for too long without knowing there was some deep emptiness there. There was something that was missing in his life. That he was obsessed with the job because the job was everything to him because it made the conversation continue and continue and continue. You see, he was in the mode of depression. And I could sense it and I could pick it up. And sometimes just his silliness was listening to and reacting to it, interacting with him was enough to get him over the hump. He was really struggling. And he didn't know how he was going to deal with retirement. That's why he stayed 34 years. You see, in Florida, you sign up for what's called a drop program. Maybe on your 25th, you have two years to get into it from your 25th year or your 27th year. And then you want to go ahead and um, jump onto the program, which lasts five years. So if you get in at 25, you leave at 30. And they pay a big chunk of money, too, on uh, what some states consider a buyout. But it's really your own retirement money multiplied. And in lieu of sending you a retirement check, it's, sa- it's placed in the savings. You continue to work. Basic synopsis of what that draw program is. But he was working on his 34th year. And I challenged him many times, and I kept on asking, why are you working did you go into up, and he changed the subject? I don't know the details of what he got into and what he did as far as his financing or his retirement. But it later dawned on me after his 25th or 26th year, I quickly picked up that he didn't know what to do. He's never envisioned a retirement. And, of course, every year that went on, it was more obvious to me that that was his issue. I remember that I would tell him, hey, bro, I'm leaving. I'm retiring. I'm leaving with 27. And I go, what are you waiting for? And at that time, he might have had 20, uh, 33 or 30, something like that. And uh, he told me, I don't know. I'll just stick around, you know, because... It give you a story uh, because, you know, I want to get 100% of my retirement because of this, because of that, the gas, the price of gas. You know, you come up with everything just to change the subject. 
But I knew he was um, getting a little bit more difficult for him to come to work. I remember another officer calling me once and say, you need to talk to your buddy, man. Uh, the other day I seen him, he fell on the bushes. He lost his balance. And he's hobbling around. And I called him on it, and I had to call him on it several times. I told him, what's wrong with your foot, man? He goes, nothing's wrong with my foot. Who told you that? Who's, who's the mentiroso, like he would say? And I told him, well, they told me that you fell on the bushes, all that. I lost my balance. They're making a big deal about it. I go, no, nobody's making a big deal. But the truth of the matter is he was losing his footing because of his medical condition. He knew he could not continue at the pace he was going. Retirement had to come. He retired. I encouraged him. And I told him, I'm right behind you, buddy. And I was. Almost a year, a little bit over a year, um, I trailed behind him. And I asked him, what, where, where are you going to live? And he told him, oh, I'm going to stay here in Miami, and I'm going to go up to Broward. And he was bouncing around like a Mexican jumping bean. Those are his words, by the way. And he ended up in Palm Beach. This ultimately, of course, would be recognized as the kiss of death because he was away from everybody. He really didn't have any family or friends where he was at. So the drinking and the binging could go on harder and stronger until he finally succumbed to his his habit. Jake died in the hospital in Palm Beach at uh, the very young age of 59. He was a dear friend. And you might have that dear friend too. And that's why it's important not only to have a confidant in law enforcement, not somebody that doesn't know what you do for a living, somebody that knows exactly what you do for a living. And they know more than you know. That's the person that you want as a confidant. Someone you can trust. Someone you can talk to. Someone through all their silliness, you know how to communicate with them. Someone that is loyal. And that that loyalty will always be there. When Jake died, myself and my former partner were kind of going, um, banging our heads as to when we should take off to go see them, go see him at Palm Beach Hospital. First, we were told that he had no visits. Then we were told that he was getting better. And then we were told, don't bother in coming because he might get discharged only to receive a text at five in the morning. He had passed away. We hesitated. Something that we told him a hundred times over and over, never hesitate. We hesitated. Don't be the one to hesitate with that personal relationship 
that you might have with somebody. Either you're their confidant or they're your confidant, but it's important. Listen, a confidant doesn't come in, a, in someone's life very often. Sometimes you have them and you don't even know you do. There's other titles like friends, but what do they mean? Will a friend be there with you through th tough times? Sometimes, no, they won't. There's acquaintances, people you work with, but you're not prepared to call them a friend. They're family members, and although you can be more personal with them, there are certain things you might not want to mention to them because you are family. And then there's a confidant, that individual, a transparent, they, what you tell them, they will always give you the best advice and that you feel safe with what their opinion is. Those people don't come often in one's life. So if you have one, cherish that individual. If you don't have one, look closely and make sure you don't. And if you've looked closely and you don't have one, you will. I guarantee you. Now, folks, it's time for the 09 training tip. You know, there's a lot of video feeds that are out there nowadays on YouTube and a lot of other channels. Because of body-worn cameras, the training sections of every law enforcement agency has a ton of film that they can use to train personnel on. That's a good thing. I know during my era, it was very difficult to find film, especially for teaching points, and if you did, of high quality. So you ended up playing the same one over and over again. It kind of lost its affection, effect, effects after a good given amount of times. But today, we have a multitude of video that we can share. But unfortunately, a lot of this video footage is tragic. I recently saw one that was sent to me by one of my law enforcement buddies, and I will uh, attempt to post it on lpoliceradio.com. Basically, deputy pulls a guy over. The guy rushes out of his vehicle, runs towards the deputy at full speed, starts yelling and hollering in his face. And the deputy, with his support hand, just puts his hand out. But he doesn't OC spray him. He doesn't... Uh, hit him with a tactical baton. He doesn't tase him. He doesn't pull out his weapon. He just puts out his arm. He let his guard down. Subject runs back to his vehicle. The deputy takes out his weapon. Subject takes out a weapon. And the shootout begins. Of course, in this footage, you actually see when the deputy goes dry in his rounds. But if you count the rounds... He might have been missing rounds out of his magazine. In other words, 
magazines weren't fully loaded. You could also tell by his hands he looked like he was an old-timer. Also, when his slide opens because he ran out of rounds, he runs behind the patrol car and he tries to insert a magazine without indexing the magazine into the uh, the well of the weapon. So in other words, he's trying to put in the magazine backwards. Now, this could have happened to anybody because of their nerves. I understand that. But the importance of training, of repeating the same thing over and over is for your survival. I'm saddened when I see that because poor decisions were made that cost that deputy his life or that officer. When that subject ran up on him like he did, all bets were off. He should have put on his switch from zero to 100 in seconds. He should have got aggressive and he should have taken command of that situation. He might be alive for it. Soon we're going to have a show, probably in 2019, and it's going to be titled The Warrior. There has been a commission that was put in place by President Obama to get away from the warrior spirit mentality and reintroduce a spirit of service, servient attitude towards police officers. Listen to me and listen carefully. Like you've never have. This is the biggest bunch of bullshit that they could ever feed you. You need to be a warrior or else you end up in a coffin. Period. When the show comes out, we have more to say. Now, let's jump on the bike. We got a whole lot to talk about in the conversation. God is good. God is good. Every situation that is before you, the people that are around you, the people that come into your life, just like the people that leave your life, have all and all will have a purpose. God's intelligence and God's plan for each one of us is perfection. There's no coincidences that this person was in my life, but it didn't mean anything. From everybody that you come in contact, there's a reason you're coming in contact with that person. And that relationship builds memories that you're going to rely on in the future. There's no just a situation with God. As I shared with you the stories of my buddy Jake, yeah, he was unique. Yeah, he was foul-mouthed. Yeah, he was who he was. But God allowed me 
to have him next to me because he had no filter. Unfortunately, I've got too many filters. So what I had and he lacked was my strength. See, God has a plan for each one of us. So look around. Look who's, who's in your life. Not everybody should remain there. So you have to do, like a friend of mine once said, I purge my friends every year. That's what he told me. I purge my friends every year, the first of the year. And if I don't think that they're good enough or they warrant this relationship, I stop talking to them. And I thought about that. First I said, well, that's weird. But the older I get, the more I understand about purging. You see, God put people in our lives for a season. How long is that season? Depends. But they're there for a season. What you need to know is when you have to grab those seeds, plant in a season to receive the fruits in another season of what you planted. Everybody has a purpose. You, my friend, need to find yours. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Understand that you're a sinner like I am and that every day we need to repent of our sins. If you do this, I can guarantee you, even in the most fierce firefight, even if you succumb to the firefight, and they said he's dead, you live. And if you're in the spirit, you just understood what I said. What's up next? Well, we're coming towards the end of El Police Radio. And I will miss it tremendously. But what makes me go and what makes me happy is that I know that Raider Cop Nation is right around the corner. What's up next? What my buddy Jake taught me. One of the things that he did, he took a course in accounting at the Miami-Dade College. And he used to tell me everything, buddy, everything has the principles of accounting, credit and debit. So what we're going to be looking at in podcast number 49, 49, 49, 52's around the corner and 52 will mark our anniversary. But what we're going to be looking at in episode 49, credit and debit, how agencies actually really do their budget and do they have make-believe invisible people on staff? I don't think so. That would be unethical, or would it be? So let's recap on what we've talked about on today's episode. We spoke about the importance of a confidant, especially in law enforcement. The importance of having one in your life is huge. See if you have one. Look closely. And if you don't, look for one. It has been my honor to be your host on this radio program. May God bless you. May God bless the agency that serves you. God bless America. Long live the Republic. <laughs>
Baby.